Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. So my mom has Lyme disease. Um, there was a girl in our grade with Lyme disease. Um, my mom had Lyme disease. Um, just kind of a lot of people in the community have Lyme disease. And one of my brother's friends have Lyme. And this is Jennifer. And my cousin had Lyme disease. And I also know someone from our school that had Lyme disease. So I just wanted to help them. That's a lot of people in the community. This podcast is sponsored by the Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Every journey through Lyme disease is different and cookie cutter approaches just don't work. You need ninja skills. Hello, I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 151, and we have very special guests today, the three of the four girls from Girl Scout Troop number 1971. And I'll tell you why this is such an important episode in a moment. I'm going to make you wait. <laughs> in the meantime, welcome with me, our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello. And I'm very excited because I want to tell you guys that I went to an optician today and I can see things again. I got new contacts and everything is in high definition. And I'm sure I've been so, walking around. I'm just so excited to be able to see again. You have no idea. And driving with you won't be so scary? And driving with me won't be so scary. Oh, so we're all relieved. Yes, exactly. The, the roads are much safer in central <laughs> New York. It's safe to come back. If you've moved away, you can come back now. Aurora has contacts. <laughs> Very funny. I thought it was. All right. You were telling us about the... Symptom tracker. There you go. People are loving it. And we're starting to get some interesting information about it. Some of the information, for example, is the most common symptom that people mark as severe is sleep problems. That makes sense. It makes total sense, right? And I have so much sympathy for that. When I went through my Parsonage-Turner syndrome on my right arm when I couldn't sleep and I was watching hundreds of NCIS episodes 
and it just wrecks you. You just, you're on the edge. It pushes you to the edge. And you can't recover. You can't really heal. My healing really didn't begin until I started sleeping. And then with the ketogenic diet, really catapulted things forward. But the sleep was the first step for sure. If you can't sleep, you can't heal. It just, it's just the way the body works. Catnaps, though. If you are having trouble, fear not. If you are having lots of trouble sleeping, one of the most effective ways to minimize the damage is to take 20-minute naps during the day. You need a minimum of two of those. So even if you don't fall asleep during those, you need to close your eyes, shut down, put on a little bit of music, and it can minimize the damage. There's studies out there showing this actually works. I'm not just saying this because of ancient Chinese secrets, <laughs> right? Well, there's that and science to back it up. So if you're having trouble sleeping, take naps, 20-minute power naps. The other interesting thing is the average score has been about 61, so you can kind of compare your score to that. The high score we had was 115. I believe that's out of 145. And then the low score was way down at the bottom. Somebody's really not having symptoms at all. Oh, that was a 10. That's really, I mean, that's, that's almost. a healthy person. Yeah, right that's there. maybe even beyond healthy, right? <laughs> it's like they're having nothing going on. <laughs> all right, Aurora. Before you introduce the members of Girl Scout Troop number 1971, I want to give a little context because this isn't our normal episode. This is special. And I'm doing it for a reason. And the reason is I believe their project is an indication that public awareness has shifted. Not just is about to, but has. Yeah, the public awareness has shifted and that's the first step. So the first step is complete. Now the second step that's going to start happening, and you'll begin to see this, is the local docs, the community doctors, the doctors with ties to the community, the nurse practitioners, people who you see in the, I don't know, rotary clubs and bump into in the mall and have the private practice, well, not private practice, but a practice in the community rather than hospital-based physicians, they're going to start coming around first. So we're going to get the local docs first are going to start taking this seriously, meaning Lyme disease. And then we'll start getting some of the other specialists on board. And then finally, we'll get the institutions to come along. The institutions are the slowest to change. So this is really, really good news. And that's why I wanted to bring these young ladies on. And they're really cute and celebrating what they're do, yeah. doing in terms of supporting Lyme disease. So, Rory, why don't you tell us a little bit more about our guests? Violet, Piper, and Jennifer are all in seventh grade and are all Girl Scout troops on Long Island. Piper and Violet have been in the Girl Scouts since kindergarten, and Jennifer joined in the sixth grade. They noticed the large amount of Lyme disease cases in their community among adults, relatives, and the school-aged kids, and decided as part of their Silver Star project to raise quail chicks to release in their area to combat the tick population. They're set to the release the quails at the end of September. September the 30th. September the 30th. Thanks, Aurora. And here's our interview with the Girl Scouts, Violet, Piper, and Jennifer, Troop 1971. Hello, Girl Scout Troop 1971. This is McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Hello. Hi. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good? Pretty good, yes. Do you all go to the same school? 
Yeah. And what grades are you in? Start with, so just go one at a time. Say your name and what grade you're in, please. I'm Johnson, and I'm in seventh grade. Hyper Altman, and I'm in seventh grade. Jack Rolson, and I'm in seventh grade. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm trying to... Missing is Claire Patel, also in seventh grade. So seventh grade, is that... How did your school do it? Is that the first year of middle school, or is that the second year? First year. First year. So, what's your favorite subject? And each each of you take a turn. Um, English. English. Uh, science. So, two English and a science. I was an English major in college, and then became an acupuncturist. Oh wow! Cool. Crazy, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So the. The other thing I know that you live, because you live on Long Island, is I bet you play sports too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Piper, what sport do you play? Um, I do basketball and track, and I used to do gymnastics. Okay. And Jennifer? I play volleyball. Wow. Cool. And Violet? I'm going to play volleyball in November this year. I was hoping you guys said lacrosse. Oh, oh. <laughs> so one of the things I do in the spring is I coach uh, ha- Hamilton College women's lacrosse team. I'm an assistant with them. And we have, last year, one graduated. She was from Oyster Bay. And then we have one senior this year. Her name's Jackie, and Jackie's from Syosset. Oh, cool. Yeah, so not too, not too close, but not too far from you, right? So... I'm curious also, how did you get interested in Girl Scouts? Like, I have I have three daughters, and they only lasted like a week in Girl Scouts. It was not very good. I was interested in Girl Scouts because one of my friend's mom is the Girl Scout troop leader. So I started Girl Scouts in kindergarten because um, I thought that it was just a cool thing to do. Um, I started Girl Scouts because I was in kindergarten and I was just like um, wanting to join a club and it sounded pretty fun to me and interesting and I was like, well, a lot of my friends did it and it was community service so I was just like, okay, I'll join and I've been in it since kindergarten with Violet. And uh, I, I joined because all my friends were doing it and I was like, yeah, this sounds cool. And so I joined in much later than they did, and I joined in sixth grade. So you've only been doing it a couple years. And do me a favor. When you start speaking, just say, this is Piper, or this is Jennifer, or this is Violet, because you guys all sound the same. You could be sisters. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Okay. And this this is something I've always been curious about, even when like I was a young boy, is... Can you clear up the brownie thing for me? What's a brownie? <laughs> so, I'm Piper. Um, a brownie is... So, the levels of Girl Scout goes Daisy, Brownie, Junior, Cadet. Right now, we're a cadet, and Brownie was for Junior. Okay. I didn't realize there were so many... Like, in Boy Scouts, there are just Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts, and that's it. It was, <laughs> oh, yeah. it was simple, but you guys are more sophisticated. That's cool. Yeah. Every two years, we move up a level. So. Nice. Two to three. Now, you've been working on a special project that has to do with Lyme disease, right? Lyme. Yeah. Now, yeah. How, how did 
Why did you want to do something involved with Lyme disease? Um, we did something with Lyme disease because um, we've all known someone who was affected by Lyme, and we had thought of other things that we might do, but we came to the conclusion that we all had known someone with Lyme disease, so it just, like, we knew that, like, people in our community also were affected by Lyme disease, and we wanted to help and solve that. And so we did um, this for our silver project so we could um, help solve Lyme disease. Yeah, that's wonderful. And do you have classmates who have Lyme disease or this kind of parents? Who do you know as Lyme disease? You don't have to name him any names. I don't want names. Just like, who are they? Young people, old people? Um, well, I have a relative that had, had Lyme disease and also my mom had Lyme disease. Um, there was a girl in our grade with Lyme disease. Um, my mom had Lyme disease. Um, just kind of a lot of people in the community have Lyme disease and a lot of my brother's friends. And this is Jennifer, and my cousin had Lyme disease, and I also know someone from our school that had Lyme disease, so I just wanted to help them. That's a lot of people in the community. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I can see why you decided on Lyme disease. That's kind of easy, isn't it? after seeing all the people and it can be pretty bad, right? They can be in a lot of pain and tired and be yeah. sick. Yeah. It's My awful. Mom had, I think three spinal taps. Oy. Yeah. It's been a while too. Though, so. Yeah. Spinal tap supposed to be pretty painful. My my daughter had to have a spinal tap done. She was in the hospital. She had ended up with viral men- meningitis, and they did a spinal tap to see what was going on. They couldn't figure out. They thought it was migraines at first, but it wasn't. And I, yeah, she's pretty wimpy. I thought she was going to really scream when they did it, but I think at that point she was so worried and scared that she would go through anything. Aww. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the sympathy. So there's lots of Lyme disease in your community. You look around, you're Girl Scouts, you're looking for some way to help your community, which is a great thing. And you're done your bronze. Oh, so I did want to ask, did you all work on the same bronze project or did you do, did you do different ones? No, it's the bronze is like the whole troop. Okay. And so what did the troop do for bronze? We did a geocaching project for bronze award project. Wait a minute. You have to explain that to me. That went over my head. What's geocaching? Um, this is Violet, and geocaching is basically where you ha- make a little box, and you put surprises in the box, and you hide it, um, and then you have other people, and they also have um, like trinkets, and they go around, um, and it's like take a penny, leave a penny, and you take... Um, an item from the box and you leave an item from the box. So it's like an ongoing cycle of things that you can pass around. That's so cool. What'd you put in your box? Um, we put a couple things like shrinky dinks and other items that we decorated like bracelets and stuff like that. 
So when was the last time you went back and visited your box? Oh, um... Has it been a while? It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. So the, is the geocaching part that you give the coordinates and people have to, like, find it on their phones or something? Yeah, yes, there's GPS. So cool. So it's kind of like Pokemon, except it's a box. Yeah. <laughs> so now you're working on your silver award for the troop, and you figured out something very practical to do to combat Lyme disease. And tell us what that is. Um, we did, um, Who's this? This is Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. We did a Take a Bite Out of Lime I, um, challenge where you take a lime and you uh, bite into it and um, you post it on social media and you challenge others to do it. It's kind of like the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. I've seen all those photos. I've never done it myself. Uh, it is really, really, really sour. And <laughs> it's not fun, but I guess you could do it to raise, raise awareness. So. I, I probably should, huh? Yes, LionDeviewChallenge.org. Okay. And then what else are you doing? That can't be all of it, just taking a bite out of a lime. No, um, we raised, um, we incubated a hundred baby quail eggs. A hundred? A hundred. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where do you get a hundred quail eggs from? Do um, some of you have quails at home? No, there's, um, a couple, um, like websites where you can get the quails and they come in a box, like a, like a box and you just put the quails into the incubator, the little eggs. And how we've, so we have chickens on our farm and we've ordered chickens in the mail. We ordered them from Murray McMurray and the chicken eggs are pretty big. And actually the, the little chicks come in the box. We didn't get eggs. We got the little chicks themselves, but a chicken egg's pretty big. How big is a quail's egg? Oh, they're small. quite yeah. small. I was they're, they're about the size of a quarter. Yeah. A quarter. Maybe they're very small. Yeah, Re- so really tiny. They're yes. tiny. Yes. And then what, what's, the, how does the incubator work? Um, so you plug it in and it has to be at 99 degrees Fahrenheit temperature and 60 to 70% humidity and it cannot be lower than 50%. So, um, and it just keeps the eggs and it rotates the eggs. Mm. And then on, I think two days before they hatch, um, so the 21st day, um, you have to take them off the rack so that they don't turn, so that they can just um, hatch. And you take them out, and then you move them to the brooder box. So how many quails did you get? 33. Wow, that's great. Yeah. And so how old are they now? Um, I think two weeks or a week and a half. And are they still fluffy and cute? Oh, my God. They're, they're so adorable. adorable. <laughs> And I read on the article that you named some of them. How many have names? Um, only the ones with the most personality. So I think maybe we named. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you have like a talent show or something? <laughs> no. Well, no. when they hatch, um, yeah. 
There's one that we named Hercules, who's super oh, weak. Yeah. yeah, Jenny named him. He was super weak, and then he became so strong, and, like, the strongest one there. So we named him Hercules. Um, there was one named Harry, and there was um, Elvis. So, like, Harry, Prince Harry? No, Harry because, like, the skin Harry. Oh, um, like Shaggy Harry? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, popping out of the egg. Oh, okay. Like, oh my God, it's Harry. <laughs> <laughs> and who else did you name? Um, we had Junior. Mm-hmm. And, um, Junior. Um, Spicy. Okay. He was like extremely. He was jumping over everybody else. Yeah. He was the first one to hatch. And yes. he was, like, jumping over everyone else. And then after that, he I'm pretty sure he, like, woke them up or something. Because yeah. then they all started hashing. <laughs> so, like, they shake each other around. And so. And then after the brew box, we just put them in the brew box for a couple days. And then they go to the surrogator. Um, and Abra, our mentor, she's at Five Seeker Farms. And she has the surrogator. And she's helping us with our project. So where are you going to let them go free? Um, after the surrogator at the Baker Farms. And are you going to do it in your backyard or at a state park? Um, um, no, no, we're going to release them in Vice Baker Farms. Oh, okay. Right there. Right. The surrogator is like this um, big kind of box in the ground. And after they hatch, they go into the box. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It gives them heat, it gives them water, and it gets supplies them with food, and um, it just helps them, like, survive, like, kind of in the wild, but not kind of isolated so that they can learn what the wild's like, but not be in the dangerous. Oh, that's a good idea. We have... So, Go ahead. Like, um, like, they can see, like, predators, and they'll be like, oh, okay, I'm going to stay away from that. But it also has like food and water mm-hmm. in, in the thing, in the surrogator, and there's also um, a heater, and we lower the temperature gradually to accommodate. Oh, so they get used to being out on their own. Is it cold yet out there? It's kind of st- getting cool up where I am. I'm in New York too. A little chillier. It's yeah, chilly, but not. It's turning. Cold. It's turning into fall right yeah, now. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, summer just ended, so just a little bit. Okay. Like colder. So. so here's here's a question: Why quails? Quails eat ticks. Oh, so I knew possums eat ticks. Did you know that? Um, no, we didn't know that. <laughs> so next time, maybe you can raise possums. <laughs> no, thank you. I don't know how to raise a possum. <laughs> I think the quails are much cuter. So quails are good tick eaters, huh? Yes, and 70% of their diet is insects. Okay, so they eat a lot of insects. Yes. Yeah. And are they a native species to Long Island? Or are they foreign? Violet, yes. They are a native species to Long Island. So that was a pretty smart thing to do. How hard was it to hatch these eggs? Could anybody do it? Maybe. Uh, Aubrey helped us because she was our mentor. So she, like, without her, we probably 
couldn't have done it because she yeah. taught us everything. <laughs> and so. she has the we surrogator, and if we didn't have the surrogator, and the what incubator, would we yeah, and the, like the food, yeah, and the food. She had the heater. Yeah, she's a quail expert. <laughs> <laughs> She's a fruit expert. Yeah. yeah, sounds that way. Like we've we've hatched chickens here a few times, and again, they're different birds. But I'm thinking maybe we should hatch some quails up here too to yeah, help with the ticks. Uh huh. They, I. They were also just like a really fun thing to do. Yeah, yeah. it was fun to like watch them hatch, and then you got to hold life. them, yeah. and um. Yeah, that's great. The I. I talked to a man once who was an expert in the environment, and he said one of the reasons why there's so many ticks these days and so many people getting bit by ticks, uh, in addition to all the extra deer that are around that are carrying the ticks around, is that birds like quail used to live in tall grass, and everybody cuts the grass down. So there's no tall grass for them to hide in. So there are not as many quail and those type of birds like there used to be. So what you're doing to help increase the population is wonderful. Are you going to keep some behind so they give you new eggs? Um, they well, do that at Feisty Acres. Yes, at Feisty Acres they have a breeding um, pen. Yeah. But we, we're not doing that, um, but we might maybe want to try and raise more quails to keep the population sustaining. That sounds like a good plan. All right. And I have to know, what are the plans for the gold award? Um, we all have ideas, but we don't really know yet. Okay. Well, let's, what's, let's hear, let's hear ideas. So Piper, what's your idea? And I promise I won't make you do it. <laughs> um, I have a couple. Just brainstorming, know. right? Um, yes. Just brainstorming. We haven't really gotten that far yet, but, um, yeah. Um, some of mine were to put owl houses because um, owls like are don't have enough places to go. Or um, I don't know. I might use one of our old ideas from the silver award. I haven't really gotten that far yet. Okay, Jennifer, what about you? Um, I wanted to do something with the animal shelter, but I haven't really thought of what yet. I just know I want to do like that cool and violet how about you i haven't really thought much about the uh, gold award because i've been so focused on doing the silver award project that gold hasn't been much of an issue right now that's a politician answer that's great i love it (laughs) that's so you have to remember that so when you're doing like an interview for college that's the perfect answer (laughs) I'm so focused on what I'm doing now. I haven't thought about that. I love it. You guys are so smart. It's incredible. It's it's a lot of fun speaking with you. So, so I want to just wrap up. Oh, I know. Your your mom made me, and I agreed because I think it's a great idea too. You guys have got a pretty good Instagram channel or whatever yeah, it's called. Yeah. Um, it's at Quail Scouts. Um. On Instagram, we have our Instagram account, and it kind of just documents, like, everything that we've done in the Silver Project and the little baby quails and how they hatched and all that sort of fun stuff. And you're going to release them on September the 30th? Yes. Yeah. Is that right? 
on our Instagram, we have pictures of us making tick kits um, that we can give out to people in case they get a tick on them so that they can look at it and then they have tweezers so that they can pull it off and put it inside a little baggie. Okay. What else have I forgotten to ask you about your project? Anything? Um, um well, we, uh, um, we'll have a speaker at the release, um, talking about, um, tick prevention and, um, that's where we're handing out the tick kit at the release. Oh. Um, people can take them home and, um, it also has the tick ID card. Yeah. So yeah. Find out like what tick is on. What kind of tick is? Yeah, we made it. And a magnifying glass. Oh yeah. We that. made it with um, duct tape, and we put tweezers, a magnifying glass, and a tick ID card into it, so you can uh, get the tick off of you, um, look at the tick, and, and identify and identify tick. it, and make sure like you haven't got Lyme's disease or something. That's so great. So this is, so you're not just going to stand and open a box and let things go. You've got this like whole major event going. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if anybody's around in the, and it's going to be Feisty Acre Farms, right? On yeah. September 3rd. And then what time? Um, it's at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. All right. So if you're in Long Island, 10 a.m. Feisty Acre Farms, you got to be there and meet these wonderful young ladies of Girl Scout Troop 1971. <laughs> These girls are adorable, first of all. Um, but what kind of took me aback a little bit, and it's still, I, I mean, I know Lyme disease is endemic, but still... All of these, each three of these girls knew multiple people. Like, with the amount of people, the sheer number of people on Long Island, like, that's the amount of, like, the percentage of people sick is incredible. I think there are lots of communities like theirs out there. However, most of them... The awareness isn't quite there yet. It's getting there and uh-huh. will be very soon. Yeah. They're being diagnosed more often out there. Yeah. And and it's probably an endemic area, but probably around our neighborhood too here in central New York, it's similar. You know, in Aunt Jackie's neighborhood. Yeah. In Sarah outside of Syracuse, there's the whole neighborhood has Lyme disease. Really? Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Aunt Jackie just got bit recently too, right? Yeah. She got the bullseye rash and everything. Luckily she had the bullseye rash, she got treatment right away. You know, fighting for extra antibiotics there. Fingers crossed. So it's out there. But the important thing is that the awareness is there, too. Mm-hmm. And that's the first shift. It's really begun. All you people who've been out there doing this for years and years and fighting for years and years and years, your work is paying off. The world is shifting. And the medical community will not be able to ignore people with Lyme disease anymore. They just will not be able to. It's just too automatic. If a Girl Scout troop thinks it's a good idea to help people with Lyme disease, a doctor isn't far behind, (laughs) really. I promise. Yeah. You know, if you're still listening, you're either very interested in Lyme Ninja Radio and what we're doing here. Uh, And thank you for that. We really appreciate it. (laughs) 
Or maybe you fell asleep in the middle and you're just waking up now. Or maybe you just really, really like Lime Ninja Radio. If that's the case, if you love us that much, you might want a little bit more. And every Friday, Aurora sends out five headlines. She calls them Ninja Nuggets. They're lots of fun. They're very interesting. And it keeps you on top of the major news in the Lime community. And Aurora, what was your favorite one upcoming? So the one that you're going to release this Friday coming up. One of the one of them that I have is that researchers at Yale have collected and sequenced 146 Borrelia genomes, kind of a Lyme genome project, if you will. And I wanted to read you this quote from one of the co-authors, Giovanna Carpi. She says, we found that one disease's evolutionary history is much more complex than we thought. The diversity is much more ancient and that the recent Lyme disease epidemic does not mirror evolutionary changes, but rather the anthropological and ecological changes that have an impact on the tick population. So I was just, you were heartened by this, by hearing about these girls, and I was heartened by this article right here because it's researchers who are paying attention and starting to look at the origins and that's kind of how western med medicine thinks is, is okay we got to get back to the beginning and get back to the origins of things so you so, see this as a sign of yeah that people, there's research money being spent on lyme disease yeah and even th like this re this research that they've done right here isn't even geared towards uh treatment and if effective treatment, but it's geared toward understanding the complexity of the bacteria and the evolution of the bacteria. So researchers want a better understanding, and it's not just researchers like Eva Shopi, it's across the board. Cool. Well, I think so. <laughs> so that's Ninja Nugget number one. If you want the other four, go ahead over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and fill out the little pop-up form that'll come up and we'll make sure you're on the list and you'll get those. Again, that's LimeNinjaRadio.com and just give us your email address and we'll be sure to send you out the Ninja Nuggets. The other thing I want to kind of highlight here, and I'm going to start doing this every week, probably at the end of the podcast like this, is the top 10 cities of listeners. Hi, everybody. <laughs> So everybody has a top 10 list, now we have a top 10 list. Exactly. So here are the top 10 listening cities to Lime Ninja Radio, and we're going to start with number 10. All right. We've got Ashburn, Virginia. Number nine is Laguna Niguel, California. Austin, Texas. Hey, Austin. Number seven is San Francisco. Number six, Middletown, Connecticut. Number five, Terre Haute, Indiana. Way to represent Indiana. Number four is Oxford in the UK. All right. In international <laughs> represent. Number three, Dallas, Texas. Number two, Boardman, Oregon. And number one this week is Danbury, Connecticut. If you didn't hear your city mention or your town <laughs> mention, grab a bunch of your friends and listen to all 151 episodes, <laughs> and you'll probably be at the top next week. It won't take that long. <laughs> <laughs> You've got all week. 
No, but seriously, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we really do have a national and international audience. And that's what we're trying to highlight highlight there with our top 10 list. All right, Aurora, thanks for pulling that together. And as you longtime Lime Ninja Radio listeners know, this podcast would not be complete without the Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know... The smoothie was invented when Lime Ninjas needed information from a banana. Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.